0: Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to taste in the shade and tea to spill. Ooh, Ooh drama. drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got on The option? No, oh, I'm not well What, what star will we, will we talk, talk to today? today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. 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 Drama! Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. I am Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. And we are still here four years later. I know. Can you believe it? Four more years. So, one <laughs> chance. Yeah. I can believe it because we have worked our booties off. I know. Especially you, Dylan. I always do this every I year. Know, it, it makes me blush. Well, you pushed us to really start the pod back in the day, probably a year before it even debuted it took a while it took a while this was back in the day of like in-person recordings yeah physical equipment that we lugged around from harlem to midtown Renting Rooms at Shetler Studios. Rest in peace. I know. Those were really fun (laughs) early days. And I feel like the show has just grown and grown and grown in truly every way. Yeah. And you really pushed it to happen. Well, thank you. Shout out to you. You too. It takes a team. You know, we have to thank our former editor, Maggie, who was there for us in the beginning. All of our mentors over the years. Rob Schneider, of course. The countless guests. Mm -hmm. Four years worth of guests who not only give us a great show, but stay in touch as friends and help us book their friends that's what the most unexpected part has been, is that people, and when they want to, you know, will connect and they'll stay in touch and wish us happy holidays. And it's it's really, really amazing. And that's kind of, that's how we got today's guest to agree to kicking and screaming to our show. I'm just kidding. That's true. But it was through one of our earliest friends we made, Caitlin Kinnanen, who... We finally pulled the favor. We never had with her. I know. We'd I know. always thought maybe one day. We we did and <laughs> she came through and Dylan, I'm so excited. This is a dream guest. A dream guest to celebrate four years with us. Mm-hmm. Would you do us the honors of reading the intro it's, to bring her in? I would. Our guest today is an absolutely iconic, Tony Award-winning actress of stage and screen. She received a Tony, Drama Desk, New York Outer Critics Circle, and LA Drama Critics Circle Awards for her performance as the titular role in The Drowsy Chaperone. She has been a mainstay on Broadway since splashing onto the scene as Anytime Annie in 42nd Street in 1980. You'll recall her signature show-stopping turns on Broadway in Mamma Mia, Crazy for You, Showboat, The Civil War, Young Frankenstein, Elf, Bandstand, the 42nd Street Revival, and more. She also toured the nation in I Do, I Do, 42nd Street, and Greece as Rizzo. Acclaim came her way once again for her role as Florence Greenberg in Baby, It's You, as she was recognized with Tony, Desk, and Outer Critics Circle nominations. She's appeared in Hello Dolly, Call Me Madam, Steel Magnolias, Gypsy, Oklahoma, Lone Star Love, Annie, and more. She also starred as Miranda Priestley in the world premiere of the Devil Wears Prada musical. For her most recent Broadway outing, our fabulous guest was nominated for the 2019 Tony Drama Desk, Drama League and Outer Critics Circle Award for her performance as Dee Dee Allen in one of our favorites, The Prom. She's appeared on television, received the Ally for Equality Award on behalf of the Human Rights Campaign and will be bringing her one-woman show back to 54 Below this January. We're gagging. Please wow. welcome to drama. Best, Best level. level. I
1: nodded off there for a second. It's like, oh my, am I that old? Anyway, first and foremost, congratulations, four years.
0: Thank Woo-hoo. you. Thank my bad no
1: Small feet. So well done, Dylan and Connor. Well done, you. That's Aww. so sweet
0: of you. Hearing those words come out of your mouth really means the world to us. You've been a dream guest.
1: Thank you. Way till the end, be like, oh, you, God, I'm never having that woman. Well,
0: the good stuff. I feel like the good stuff was the first couple minutes when we were just chatting before we even hit record.
1: There you go. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, what? reading those lists, Mama's got
0: a lot of stories. <laughs> I've got a lot of drama. Mm. Oof. We came to the right place. Then we don't want to make you rehash things that maybe you're tired of talking about. So we're going to try to like we're going to cherry pick, but we also want to kind of just check in with you. Happy belated Thanksgiving. Thank you for doing this with us today.
1: Thank you so much. I'm not sure when this is going to air, but the world right now, we all need to be <laughs> to stop for a moment and be thankful and and full of mm-hmm. gratitude for all the things we have. So, it was a great holiday for that reason and many of you know, who doesn't love Thanksgiving?
0: I know. I love it. Are you well, Beth? I am so well. Thank you for asking.
1: Yeah, I'm really good. You had a big year. I did have a big year and it still continues, but yeah, it's it's a, it's still Interesting the dynamics of coming back into our work with COVID. You know, it's like there's still a band aid on it, and we're still trying to figure out what our new normal is. But that said, it's so exciting because I am hearing that this upcoming season for Broadway, and I hope theaters across the country, is going to be jam packed with new stuff, new musicals, and plays. And so that's really exciting. You know, we're not done yet. Yeah, not done yet. got a couple of more in me.
0: I love to hear it. I mean, was it 14 Broadway shows? 15? The next one will be my 14th Broadway show. Next one will be 14. I know. Astounding.
1: I know. I know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I
0: need to know if you, okay. So we normally don't always jump right into this question, but you have such an impressive resume and you've lived such an amazing life. And you've given us so many gifts that I'm curious if Broadway was always the dream. And I, I suppose I'm wondering, even before that, what got you into the arts? We borrow Ring of Keys from the musical Fun Home because we think of it as maybe a moment of identification where you were watching something or participating in something and you realized that the arts meant so much to you. Do you feel like you had a moment like that? Sort of. Um, it's
1: it's a little disappointing when you kind of dig up my backstory because people like going, have you been wanting to do theater all your life? It's like, n- n- no. <laughs> I didn't really know what it was i grew up in raleigh north carolina and when i grew up back in you know the during the great depression uh, (laughs) there just wasn't shut up there wasn't (laughs) there wasn't theater around me to see that i knew of my parents couldn't be less interested or Mm. even have any knowledge about theater or musicals or anything so I honestly did my first musical my senior year in high school because my uh, dear friend at the time, Jan Herndon, who's still in the business, said it's really a great place to meet guys.
0: Oh, oh. okay. She had your best interest at heart. I, obviously. Absolutely.
1: So, but prior to that, when I think of my ring of key moment, my aha moment, my parents, my family and I, which is my mom and dad would go, I don't know, once every. Four months. I mean, it sounds like I was in, you know, abject poverty, but I wasn't. My dad worked all the time. My mom worked all the time. What did they do? My father did many things. He started out working at the Coca-Cola bottling company.
0: Oh, very good.
1: That was uh, unsatisfying for a while. And then he was kind of like the Don Draper in Raleigh, North Carolina. He started working for WRAL, which was the ABC affiliate, selling commercials. Wow. One of my first memories, you know, when I was in high school is I would like stand at a grill outside and turn over a hot dog and I was like his muse <laughs> because, because I was free. <laughs> and I, I could wear my but you know, that wasn't my ring of keys at all. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, we have to do this again. I'm tired. I went I was a bunny and I had to hop for an Easter thing across the stage at the TV studio. I was like, I'm hot. Um anyway. <laughs> So my ring of key moment was when we went to see a movie and we went to see a musical. We went to see Robert Preston and Shirley Jones in The Music Man. And I remember, and I love this one. I love when this happens. I remember leaving my body kind of and going into the screen and wanting to do this with my arms like I Dream of Jeannie and become Zanita. Mm. In her marching band uniform at the end. And I was just mesmerized that people could sing to each other. And I believed every single minute. And then they danced. But I had no earthly idea what to do with that. Aha. Mm. Until this senior year musical, which was Brigadoon. And I got like the third lead. And I just remember walking into the big band room for rehearsal. Because that's what you do in high school. And after the first day, I was hooked. It's like, who are these people? Where have they been? And they're my tribe. They're just like me, a little left of center, not exactly knowing what we're going to do. So then I had to figure out, well, what do you do with that? And my parents are going, well, you do want to eat, don't you? <laughs> so the thought of me becoming an actor was was not encouraged. So I went to a small school in North Carolina where I majored. There was no musical musical theater major. There was a, a musical theater minor. So I majored in social work and counseling, which you know was all about listening and responding. Anyway, yeah, so it's kind of like what I did. Totally. But I did every single show I could get my hands on. And during those four years in that college, with um, a mentor teacher who kept pushing me and correcting me and praising me and challenging me, I did everything. Community theater. Uh, outdoor amphitheater. I played Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz down south in yeah. July. That was hot. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> and then at the end of my four years with my degree in social work and counseling, and my minor in uh, theater, my teacher suggested, encouraged that I go to New York, give it a, a shot. It was like absolutely not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's scary.
1: It's scary. i had been there on a field trip and it was like, this place terrifies me. I'm not moving. Yeah. So I did what, you know, whatever chicken actor would do. And I decided to go get an MFA. So I went to the University of North Carolina in Greensboro. So now I have an MFA and those two and a half years there solidified, closed my ring of keys. And I knew that I would be doing this for the rest of my life, even if I failed. You know, my parents were like, oh, let her just try.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you because your parents felt that it was sort of like an impossibility. Was there ever a moment where they it clicked for them as well?
1: Uh, When they saw me do Anytime Annie in 42nd Street Mm. tour and then on Broadway. And then one year I actually made more money than my dad oh my goodness (laughs) wow yeah that's a long time ago anyway yeah (laughs) i knew that i wasn't going to starve and you know i kind of had the best of both worlds i got married pretty early and i had kids that's my first husband who were still very close but yeah i kind of had the best of both worlds i was little miss broadway and i had their grandkids so i think they were like phew good Yes.
0: You stayed the Southern girl that they raised you to be. They wanted that early because that's their uh, second career there as got grandparents. It. You got it. Yeah. Talking to you, I hear the Southern accent. I don't. Know, I don't know that I've ever heard it in any of your stage performances that I've seen.
1: But, you know, I, I remember when I would, I did Steel Magnolias down at North Carolina Theater. And I was like, oh, finally, I don't have to use my accent. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Which woman were you in Steel Magnolias?
1: hey Lynn. That was Bill's part. You know, it comes out when I'm tired. hmm but I've lived up here, you know, three times longer than I lived down South. And my parents never taught like this. Um, they had a lealt you know. <laughs> yeah,
0: <right>? yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, it's what amazing. I, what I'd
0: give to hear you do the Sally Field Shelby monologue at the end. I mean. It was a lot, it was, it was really, talk about a well-written piece that you just
1: put your shoes on and say the words. Mm-hmm wow it was really a privilege to do that before prom after drowsy isn't that funny those are like my big time markers <laughs> was that before drowsy chaperone or mm, it's very confusing the years in between
0: i sure when did you play rizzo in greece i was so excited to see that on there
1: <laughs> that's a good story um i actually left 42nd street because there was going to be a national tour starting off at the Muni, believe it or not. Oh. And then going on to tour and hopefully come to Broadway. It had, I don't know if y'all remember this person, y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a huge star. He's still a star, but back then he was uh, one of the leads on General Hospital. I think it was General Hospital. His name is Jack Wagner. Oh, oh I've yeah. heard of him. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. That is General Hospital. Yeah. Oh,
1: it was General Hospital, right? Yeah. So he was Danny. So you can imagine he had a huge following. And then we went to Dallas and then had a little bit of a hiatus, recast some of the roles as they do mm-hmm. and uh, opened at one of the theaters in Washington, DC, not the national, not the Fords, another one. I can't think. And we closed immediately because we got such horrible reviews. Wow. You're kidding. I thank you very much. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. I know, but, you know, maybe people weren't ready for, a revival of the same Grease.
0: Yeah, yeah. Did you like playing Rizzo? She's my favorite role.
1: Dude, she's such an awesome, slutty, bitchy, <laughs> mean girl.
0: It's mm-hmm.
1: the heart of gold that you finally get to at the end. And I got to smoke on stage, which was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I got this fake cigarette. You know,
0: but there are worse things I could do. Oh, yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. this was before
0: Rosie O'Donnell took on the role in the Broadway revival okay so this this wasn't that yeah, production they
1: were ready for that no okay. they were ready for that revival and whatever else they had rejiggered to make it new
0: right they yeah Billy Porter was in that one and yeah, that's right mm-hmm. good memory mm-hmm. you're right yeah well I loved I, we had a Grease obsession for a while we did we did it in eighth grade you know the appropriate well, time yeah
1: that's why
0: yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> anyways now what was making your Broadway debut like
1: it was interesting. It wasn't. I was cast in the national tour of Forty Second Street, so I had been out doing Anytime Annie for about seven months. Uh, it was a tour, but we sat down like in Washington for three months. We sat down in Boston for four months. Oh wow! It wasn't like the one weaker experience. I kind of wish I'd done before I had had kids. So the role opened up on Broadway, and I had a put in, and went on that night so i didn't have the full experience of like an original broadway company opening until crazy for you but it was still i was so uh busy in my head that night the first night of 42nd street trying to stay out of everyone's way because you know the the tour it is the same show as the one on broadway but it morphs into something and someone you know does this and the last thing i wanted to do was knock someone over in the dames number because i had a different color dress on uh, um, so I wasn't quite, but i do remember finally coming out uh dames da, 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 and i just remember when i made my entrance by myself kind of my inner uh small north carolina child went because oh, i just looked out at the it was at the majestic theater mm-hmm. at the time before Phantom moved in and it was a little overwhelming. And I had like four people there to see me, which was really cool. And then, you know, you go to work the next day mm-hmm. and I stayed with that show for about four years.
0: Four years. Nice work if you can get it, I, I suppose.
1: I, well, exactly. And there wasn't anything, you know, uh my husband became kind of a stay at home dad and I was the breadwinner. And it's like, I'm not going to leave a job for no job. Yeah really good at tap dancing that particular step.
0: <laughs> this was also sort of a, a, I don't want to call it a total dry spell of, of new works, but it was like the British invasion time and right. there wasn't a right. lot coming in. I mean, there were some years that only like three new musicals would be nominated for Tony's and things like that.
1: I remember that. Yeah, And I remember it was, it was such a big deal too when Phantom came in. A, because our producer was David Merrick
0: mm. oh.
1: and he, the show was still doing really well and they closed forty. 4th Street Mm -hmm. between the Majestic and the St. James for a publicity stunt. Oh. They set, you'll find, you can see pictures of it somewhere during the Great Depression photographs. Um, (laughs) They put the dimes all across 44th Street and we all were in our, we're in the money and showed that we were now moving to the St. James. And also another brilliant thing this man did was our curtain time was 8.15, So if Phantom was sold out and you couldn't get tickets, you could go right across the street to 42nd Street Mm. and see 42nd Street. Wow.
0: That's amazing. So did you have any personal one-on-one experiences with David Merrick? I mean, he's notorious.
1: He's notorious. By the time I had joined the company, Mr. Merrick had already had his health issues, a stroke, I believe. Mm. So he wasn't, um, I never could have really like a one-on-one. And plus I was terrified of him. Yeah. It's like, just stayed away. (laughs)
0: Understandably. And his office was like above the St. James, wasn't it or something like that? Or yeah.
1: Like that, right?
0: Yeah. So he yeah. was always he was close by, always watching.
1: Oh, I'm sure he was.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so when you left 42nd Street. Yeah. What what came next? Greece. Uh,
1: but I also did believe it or not, which in the middle of between when 40 I was still doing 42nd Street, but getting ready to leave to do Greece. I did Karina Levitt, private detective on Ryan's Hope, that soap opera.
0: Oh,
1: I maybe had eight episodes, but wow. I was 11 Private Detective. Heck
0: wow. yeah! That you know that should lead all of your resume, your bios.
1: <laughs> then people go, Ryan's Hope. What was that? I'm like, it was a soap opera.
0: Yeah. Now, did the soap pay better at the time than a Broadway gig? Do you remember?
1: It wasn't bad. You just had to, it's so such early work, you know. So I would mm-hmm. go and go to the show, be mm-hmm. exhausted. But it, like I said, it didn't last that long. But it was definitely um, an experience. I'd never done a soap opera before.
0: Was that your first on-camera experience?
1: Besides hopping across the <laughs> stage as a <of> bunny,
0: <laughs> so your second.
1: that was for Sears.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> that
1: was, I believe, that was my first on-camera experience. That's coming to me right now. Yeah, I think
0: so. I'm um, going back to Greece for a second. When that closed so suddenly, had that ever happened to you, where there was this big you thought your life was going to earlier, you know, next couple months were going to be a certain way. And then all of a sudden you're left like, Oh my God. Like what was that experience? Like
1: it was a little, let me just say this. I've really gotten used to that sure, because it happens a lot. So I don't believe anything until it's signed and then, and then because it's show business, Mm -hmm. but it was a little disappointing because we kind of planned on the income and like, well, here we go. Let's start again. Now what's next? And then there was a, a, you know, it was a little dry period. And then this fabulous show came up called Crazy For You.
0: Right. Which won Best Musical at the Tonys. It was probably the most insane experience. And that music, it's oh my untouchable.
1: Gosh. Yeah. And if I had done Grease, I wouldn't have been able to audition for Crazy For You. So okay, hmm.
0: it always needs to me.
1: Thanks, universe. Yeah.
0: yeah. Right. How long were you in Crazy For You?
1: Three years, I think. Until I got pregnant with my second son Sam and they could no longer let out the costumes anymore. And in the the pink number, you know, bad news mm-hmm. go away. I could no longer lay on my stomach without going. <laughs> 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 I was just tired. Mm-hmm. I was tired. Oh, that's, it's hard to tap dance. Five and a half months pregnant. Wow. So, <laughs> I
0: can't even imagine. That, that's nice that they let you stay that long though.
1: Yeah, they let me stay that long. It was very sweet. I think that would i think they would have let me stayed until i just looked like oh somebody stop her mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and now, and we had uh casey Nicola on earlier this fall and that was probably when the two of you met
1: we actually we met uh, we did a ver- a regional version of showboat down in north carolina okay. north carolina theater and that's where we officially met and it was so interesting because during that time at showboat at nct my agent sent me the script for Crazy for You.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: Casey and I were sitting on the house because we kind of bonded instantly, and I I said, "You should read this. You'd be really good in this." So I feel responsible for his career.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, it, you, have that, you have the story to boot. Now, I mean, the two of you have had this beautiful creative collaboration over the years. Will he just call you up and say, "Hey, I want you to read this," or "Hey, I think this is for you"?
1: Yeah, in that in that disgusting, yeah. <laughs> There's um there's a couple of things in the works that we've been reading and let's see if act two has changed. So I'm hoping that they'll happen before I die.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. oh, I love that. He's he's keeping you in mind. still cause he's busy. I mean, when we talk to him, he's like, yeah, I'm going over to do Hercules in Europe and Germany. Yeah.
1: He's very extraordinarily talented. I will. If he calls, I
0: say yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've got to talk to you about the drowsy chaperone, which was when I first became familiar with you. I mean, in this, I'm in my childhood bedroom. I remember being gifted the CD, having it in my little Walkman, reading the liner notes for the plot and hearing you. And I just remember being so taken with you. Mm-hmm. Now you look back on, on Drowsy Chaperone. Right. What's the first couple things you think about? Um, it
1: was a privilege. Uh, people think it was my Broadway debut, which is so interesting because I was like 50 years old, but, and just let me cut to the night I won the Tony award. What was so so many things were amazing about that night. But what I really resonated with me is that people had been making the same kind of journey that I had been doing, just whittling away at, uh, you know, Crazy for You and 42nd Street and Civil War and just work, work, work. And I felt like someone told me, they said, I felt like you won the Tony Award for all of us worker bees. Wow. And I was like, thank you. That's what I felt like. So part of that was—is what my drowsy experience is. Part of it was knowing that, People that didn't know me that well took a leap of faith. Cause you know, I originally didn't get cast.
0: Oh, okay. okay. So you were, were you in workshops and then they didn't cast you or was it an audition? process? I was
1: never in a workshop. They did a nymph for a nap. I can't remember which one. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't, uh, Lisa Lambert played my role. I do believe who w- was the lyricist. And there was such a huge interest by Broadway producers. They had big auditions And no one knew who this character was yet. I like to tell my students and remind myself that a lot of times when you get a script, the actual beat, the character's not on the page. You have to give life to her, her behaviors, her everything. And they didn't really know who she was yet. So they were like fishing to find the person Mm -hmm. that would make their job easier. And I was not that person, obviously, Uh at first. And, you know, I think stumble was sort of written, but not really stumble along. So I went in and I sang uh, the first way to lose a man, da, 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 da. which I guess was a bad choice. But <laughs> and then I read the sides and, the, you know, if you look at drowsy chaperone side, she's got like one liners. Right. So, again, that's really kind of hard to do. So they out of I think, out of pity. Casey called me back. I did. I think the same thing, and maybe read another side or something. And this also never happens, so don't ever expect it. The direct Casey actually called me and said thank you, but I don't think I went. I know, I know. I said I'm. I know I'm not right for the role. I really can. I felt that. It's like I think you maybe need someone older or someone that's bringing something that I'm not bringing to it or don't understand. He's like, yeah, so. They went to Los Angeles and auditioned a bunch of TV stars, including Eartha Kitt. Oh, wow. You can kind of tell where they were wanting to go. Mm -hmm. Nothing happened. And then they came back and I think offered it to some people and they just, you know, it wasn't written well yet. And I, I really think out of desperation, (laughs) he went, just give it to Beth. Just, just give it to her. We got to go. So I get a I get a call from my agent sometime in November, and he says, "Yeah, I have a job offer for you." And I was like, "I'll take it." (laughs) (laughs) What it is? I'll take it. A because a job offer means you don't have to audition. I'm like, "Fine." Where do I have to go? And he says, "It's uh, the role of Beatrice Stockwell in *The Drowsy Chaperone*." And I told him, "No, I did not get that." I made him call the casting people again. He said, "Yeah, you got it. You leave for a three month out of town tryout at the Amundsen in California. Pack your bags."
0: Oh my goodness.
1: And my life changed after that experience. And so to to be able to have them trust me and let give me permission to come into the room with a character that really doesn't have a heartbeat yet and to throw everything I have up against the wall, mistakes and all, and see what sticks. And then to have it be so fulfilling for me and for you to listen to Stumble on the CD. Yes. It's very, it's really rewarding and it's being done everywhere. And it's just fascinating. I do a lot of, like, hello, break a legs to drowsy chaperones all over the world.
0: Oh, that's so sweet.
1: Really cool. That's really cool.
0: Yeah. And then you won the Tony for it, which is just,
1: ha, ha, ha. did
0: you think it was going to happen? I mean, when you get to that night, usually people uh, are like, oh, it's going to go to who so-and-so. Or
1: I know, I always think. And plus, I'm Southern. It's like, you can't think you're going to win. That's That's conceited. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no. So... I, re- I remember our rehearsal at Radio City the morning of the Tony Awards at 5 a.m 6 a.m and then we had a matinee and someone during after the after the rehearsal said so if you do win do you have a speech it was like no what Shh, what and I thought well it's not conceited if you just if it, prepare something you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings yeah so. <laughs> whole matinee i'm like like i don't know what to say <laughs> so that's that's all i remember about that night <laughs> uh,
0: well, this, this, what what you did ultimately say was incredible it's a really fun oh, speech and moment miracle. yeah oh
1: good good, good. <laughs> it was terrifying terrifyingly fabulous because you you know they call your name and there's just uh, it's just overwhelming and you get finally run up on the stage and you're you're, I have really high heels on and the dress is tight. I'm thinking, please don't fall. Don't fall. Don't fall. Please don't curse. Please remember to say something to your parents. And then you turn around and they have this stunt Tony in your hand. And you're looking at 4,000 people with nothing to hold on to. <laughs> including your dignity. <laughs> <laughs> and then you see TV cameras. It is like just, just Try to be in the moment ha, and try to find your voice and make it not quite so
0: high-pitched. Who presented you with it?
1: Sara Ramirez.
0: Oh, amazing.
1: Ooh, doing that TV show, Grey's Anatomy. And T...
0: T.R. Knight.
1: T.R. Knight, who was so kind. and But Sada had seen the show the night before and had come up to my dressing room. Oh, cool. So it was very sweet. Talked about it the night before. I am like, stop, stop, stop. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, when when Sara won for for Spamalot, went off to do Greys. did you have any ambition to go off and do television or did you feel like theater was going to continue to be your home?
1: Yeah, felt like theater was going to, that's really where I'm happy. But I, I, I'm not kidding. I had auditions. It was like all of a sudden you have an, an audition for every TV show, including, what was that really famous one in California with... Anyway, I auditioned for everything.
0: Oh, I'm and dying to know which one. Do you remember any I, of the? Bits I went like
1: three o'clock in the morning, and I'll
0: call yeah.
1: you. <laughs> you no, know, I'm against stars like Sigourney Weaver. It's like you're not going to cast someone, Beatrice Stockwell. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm a little quirky for television, but it was a very interesting couple of months. Were they Beatrice. calling
0: you in for Beatrice type roles? No, like normal people,
1: like. Huh. Ooh. <laughs> that is fun.
0: Nowhere near as fun.
1: Well, I don't want to be normal, people. <laughs> <laughs> I will be because it pays so much better than theater. Of course, of course. It's, so, it was a show like Dynasty, and I cannot think of the name of it. Okay. Oh, well, I'll, like I said, I'll
0: call you at three. <laughs> yeah. So your life changed a lot then after that night.
1: It really did. It really, really did. I didn't have to audition as much anymore. People, There were more offers coming. And then people want you to do, you know, to create a cabaret and blah, 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 blah. And all these opportunities that I'm not sure would have presented themselves if I hadn't been Beatrice Stockwell or won a Tony Award. I don't know, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Yeah. And then a few years later, you were nominated for a Tony again for a show that I am honestly don't know much about at all. Baby, it's you.
1: I know. I was doing Elf at the time.
0: Oh, fun. In the Mary Steenburgen role, correct?
1: Correct. Uh, Emily. And then one of the producers of Elf, you know, Elf was produced in part by Warner Brothers because of the film. This baby at you had had a life in Los Angeles and had gotten funding and was moving into Broadway two months after Elf closed. And the producer Mm. wanted me to read come and meet the creatives and for baby it's you. And so I went over there and lo and behold, I got the role and that was the first time I'd ever seen my picture as Florence Greenberg on the marquee above a the theater, which was crazy. It was a lot of work. Didn't run very long, got terrible reviews, but we got better and better and better, you know, and everybody just leave us alone, please. And see what can Here when it was me and Brandon Uranowitz. Oh. So uh, he played my son. Okay. We we became very tight. I'm Uh, sure. But it it ran like six months and then it closed, and then I was nominated for a Tony Award, which was after it was
0: closed. After
1: it was closed. Which interesting. And I knew there was no way I was ever gonna. So I it was a night at the Tony Awards that I had no pressure and could look around and go, This is cool. (laughs) Older son went with me. He was my date. And it was the year of Book of Mormon. Oh, fun. So the Book of Mormon tray and whoever wrote it were sitting right next to us. I was like, what? (laughs) He was so excited. And Josh had an Andrew Rannell set right in front of us. And so we were, that's how I got to know them.
0: Who won in your category?
1: I think it was Sutton for Anything Goes.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, fun.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, I right. It was.
0: That's so fun. And you, of course, were in Drowsy Chaperon with Sutton.
1: I was. That's the first time we met each other.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you've sort of been in and around a lot of these people as they've, you know, all the different Tony nominees and people before they've, you know, taken off and whatnot. Do people like look to you for advice or do they, they seek you out and revere you in a certain way? Do you find?
1: Oh, that's such an interesting question. You know what? I'm a really good listener. Mm-hmm. It's. Sometimes I, because of, you know, who I am, but also because, you know, I have a degree in social work counseling, Right. right? my office is open. Come on in. <laughs> so yeah, I've, uh, I've held on to a lot of friendships, which is one of the great things about being in this community. When you mm-hmm. get close to someone in our world, you, we're stuck with each other. Mm-hmm. So I will always Listen to my fellow storytellers, and in turn, mm-hmm. they will always listen to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that role. <laughs> but, okay, thanks.
0: Yeah, we we actually just chatted with Isabel Macala, who said that she would sit in your dressing room oh, during yeah. the prom with Angie, and y'all would eat potato chips and yeah. yeah.
1: After a while we people, Lay's company, I believe the Lay's company started sending us potato chips. I always (laughs) say we have to have potato chips because it puts a coating on your vocal cords. So it's my responsibility Uh to have some potato chips.
0: As Dee Dee Allen in The Prom, I mean, that is one of my favorite performances I've ever seen in person. It is, you were a tour de force.
1: Thank you. And, you know, you're only as tour and forcey as your material, material is. So I'm eternally grateful for Bob, Martin, and Matt, and Chad, and Casey for... Dee Dee was one of those roles that we sat around the table forever, four of us initially, because it was it was really, this has been now 10 years, written for us in mind. So to have sit at a table and the four of us, me, Brooks, Angie and Chris, be able to read stuff that was written for our comedy, our voice, our tone, our, you know, our timing was such a privilege. And then to see her come to life and be so loved was so, so, so much fun. And unlike Drowsy, I didn't have to audition for it. So talk, I felt such ownership to her and very, you know. Didi's my girl <laughs> yeah. oh yeah <laughs> I love me Deedee. so it was um I'm and I'm so thrilled that now prom is everywhere
0: mm-hmm.
1: everywhere I'm a firm believer that theater changes life that art changes life particularly a show like the prom mm-hmm. when you finally have two women be the hero of the love story yeah how oh, that's being done in Oklahoma and Minneapolis. Japan, it's like, talk about changing lives.
0: Mm. Yes, yes. With such a positive ending, it's not a tragic, no. you know, queer representation. And it's such a funny show. Oh my God, I was in Stitches. You you four, especially, His, and, and um, jo- uh, Josh Lehman,
1: mm. hilarious. But I know. I wish you could see some of the antics that were filmed backstage. It's very, very difficult to be in the same, on stage with Brooks Ashmanskas. And try to stay in character equally with Josh Lehman, equally with Chris Sieber. So it was kind of torturous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, th- they're some of the funniest people on the planet. And that we were all able to be together and, you know, give this gift of the prom to the world is, you know, yeah. I'm good. Thank
0: you. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, an original story that, it, it screamed Broadway, though. I mean, in, I remember when, when talking to Connor about it the first time, I'm like, it's kind of cockamamie in a way, the way that these stars want to rehab their careers by doing this thing. But it worked so well. And I mean, it, the music is just so beautiful. I mean, I, I cry every time I hear "On really hard. Like that Oh, is my
1: just... gosh. Yeah, we could hardly get through that a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to watch the development, being in a room with people, creatives that are so smart, that knows where to put a song like that and Matt and Chad to go, Oh, how about this key change here? It's just,
0: and that's the moment
1: and that's the moment. And that's why I do what I do.
0: Mm -hmm. Now I hesitate to ask this because we can always cut it, you know, if not, but what was, what was the story with the movie? Was there ever, did they ask any of the cast, the Broadway cast to audition or, okay. Um,
1: I'm shaking my head. No, Mm -hmm. it was very interesting. We, there was one night that we heard Meryl and, Nicole Kidman were out in the audience. I'm like, wow, we have <laughs> really, look, we've got like A-list stars out there. The old, we call ourselves the olds, me and Angie. Like, hang on just a minute. And then we hear Ryan Murphy has bought the rights to the, the movie and we're thrilled. But all of us know we're not going to be asked to do that because it wouldn't sell like Nicole Kidman and Meryl Streep and James Corden. But it was interesting because he bought out the house one night or there was going to be a big reveal that he had bought the rights to the movie. There was a curtain speech with him up there. And the only thing that kind of broke my heart is that I think a lot of the ensemble thought they were going to be in the movie Mm -hmm. because they didn't know that it was announced. And everybody was like, "And you know, just it's show business. Would we have loved to have done it? Yes. Mm-hmm. But we're very realistic in knowing that would it would it have been a success with us? I think it would have been really limited because we're not Hollywood TV people.
0: Wow. I interesting story. Yeah, yeah I, I understand that. When we went, it was we saw Neil Patrick Harris in the audience. I remember thinking, oh, maybe he's scoping out. Never, know. The, yeah, you never know. you never but- know.
1: <laughs> and we don't know the in and out of all the stories. We really don't.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have to ask you again about a show that was you know, on Broadway and in a movie happening at the same time. You were Donna and Mama Mia oh right God. after the movie came out or right, was that what it was?
1: I think it was afterwards. Okay. Was Donna and Mama Mia. Yes, I feel like I'm following Meryl Streep's path.
0: And her you, and her oh, you. Yeah. At this- with um, with the uh, Devil Wars Prada too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but she took you. she she followed your path in the prom True. so you
1: know, and immediately after that i was cast mm-hmm. as miranda priestly in the musical yeah yeah <laughs> figure.
0: Mar- wow that's <laughs> wild Meryl. <laughs> now did you like being a mama mia that's one of my favorites it's oh, just it was, such a crowd pleaser
1: such a crowd pleaser um by the time i got there the audience very little people spoke english and it didn't matter right because i have never in any production i've done maybe maybe prom felt like such a rock star people become dressed like us and Abba has such a following and people love this musical Mm and so that was really joyous it was so much work it was just uh, you know I had like 15 songs and a break stage which makes it really complicated for your body but it was um I was a rock star and I had a perpetual tan that was (laughs) what the prerequisites that if you lived in Greece, you were tan. So a couple of times I would go to a tanning booth and just stand there and get sprayed with this stuff. And for about a week, I would smell like a cheeseburger.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're like, why am I so hungry all the time?
1: (laughs) Why is Burger King calling to me?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so fun. When you're not performing in a Broadway show or off Broadway out of town, have you been able to take in any of the new theater that's in New York or see anything that's been opening this season so far?
1: Not as much as I should have, and that will probably change. I've—I was just—I saw Gutenberg last week. I was—you know—they do that guest celebrity thing. Yes. At the where they bring, and I was actually able to do that. So that yes.
0: was—I'm sure the crowd went nuts.
1: Oh, I don't remember. I was too busy trying to stay out of everybody's right way. But the, you know, it's, I hadn't seen the court since it's been um, redone, mm-hmm. James Earl Jones Theater now, and it's mm-hmm. just beautiful backstage. I'm so thrilled that that theater was now taken care of. And it was really Mm -hmm. fun. And Josh and Andrew were absolutely unbelievable in this. They are tour de force.
0: So do they give you like a script? Like, do you have lines? We haven't seen Gutenberg yet.
1: The stage manager, you sit in the seat on the aisle. The stage manager comes up. You put on a hat that says the producers. And then you get up there and the teleprompter tells you what to say. But... You don't want to you know screw up anybody's yeah. timing or anything, and then <laughs> you leave.
0: That's it. I heard it's, it's just hysterical.
1: Oh, it's hysterical. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I you know I've seen Kimberly Akimbo, which is so touching. I haven't seen Shucked. I have a lot of things to do the new year. Yeah. What were your costumes like in the Devil Wears Prada? They were unbelievable. Yeah. They were designed. <laughs> they were designed by the House of Prada.
0: Oh my god. I didn't know that. Wow. Only only Miranda's
1: clothes were designed. I'm not sure if that's gonna continue with whatever life devil wears Prada has, but I got to wear original Prada shoes, jewel it was like, who do you think you are?
0: <laughs> You're Miranda Priestley, like, baby. You
1: know, I kept saying that. I had to stop myself. It's literally like how much this? But you feel like it you feel like a million bucks when you go out on that stage.
0: Oh, I can imagine. So like,
1: Oh, my gosh, you just feel like she would wear that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's I met the costume designer uh, and I told her that she was my scene partner. (laughs) (laughs) You remember that in the movie, what she wore was, oh, my gosh, so informing, so important. Yes. Mm
0: -hmm. When you do have an element that's so pivotal to a character, like whether it be a, a certain wig or maybe a costume, do you feel like it's not complete or you can't fully immerse yourself into the role until you're in costume or doing something like that?
1: Makes a big difference. Makes a big difference. Once you get the full package and you see yourself in the mirror and you know who you are. Mm. For Dee Dee Allen, for example, when we were out of town in Atlanta, no one knew what my hair was supposed to be and literally it was long like i could do this oh. but every time i danced it was like all in my face so the next day it would be an inch shorter the next day it would be 2 inches shorter the next day it'd be 4 inches shorter by the time it got to opening night it was my hair yeah. <laughs> not perfect, really, but it was exactly beth level short kind of bobbed hair and that's mm. that was that continued um and that's what I ended up being, but it was so fun wearing that wig, but it got caught in the microphone. Oh, I'm these. sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing like a shiner sure. wig, yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: it was fun. But yes, I, I love to see the costume designs before I start, just to understand what everybody's vision and work has gone into. So you're kind of ahead of the game going, I see she always has to wear four-inch heels. Mm. So that really tells you something about, or Dee Dee Allen always has to be slightly extravagant and maybe too many sequins in the not probably appropriate place. Right. <laughs> like church or, you know, the gym Mm -hmm. in Indiana (laughs) or leopard, you know, that's knowing that I had full leopard on. I mean, that changes who you think you are.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Now you mentioned when you talk to your students about, you know, the character on the page, it's not complete until you breathe life into it yourself. What was that experience like to breathe life into Miranda Priestly, who is this iconic character played by Meryl Streep in a much loved film. How do you get Meryl out of your head and do you? That was the challenge.
1: You have to respect the iconic moments of the novel and the film because that's what is written. Sure. That's all. I mean, you can't not say it that way. It was, I justified my journey Because my Miranda Priestley had to sing in a musical. So things shifted. You know, I can't just do a one-liner on film and, you know, pull my glasses down. I had, it's a bigger, bigger choices. And giving myself permission and the audience permission still to love Miranda Priestley and it not be the film, is it going to be a challenge from now on? Um, they had many, 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 many discussions. And I'm sure we'll continue to have a zillion discussions about the color of my wig.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot
1: of people were furious that it wasn't the white, silver Meryl Streep. But the director at the time and the creatives were like going, that's not who you are. So I had a red wig. Right. And people either loved it or were pissed off.
0: Well, red for the devil. I mean, come on.
1: I mean, and it was my Miranda. So that's that's a very fine line. Like, even if you look at uh, Back to the Future, you know, Roger kind of looks like Christopher Lloyd. So, yeah. may, I, I'm not. It's. I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> totally. right. Totally. Right. Do you think that you'll continue with it in any capacity? Or I think so, okay. but when, where, you know, it's a huge project.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's going to take, uh, you know, the producers coming together and the the universe to align at the same time with the theater and right Elton John being available and, you know, all this it's complicated. It's complicated. You know, we didn't get very good reviews, but in the and we were hit with COVID really bad, too, when we were in Chicago.
0: Oof, I remember that.
1: Oh, even the time I think we did 30 some shows we broke all the box office records for the niederlander theater in chicago so people really want to see what can be done mm-hmm. this movie and this material and these particularly these women that we love so much mm-hmm. oh
0: yes i heard you were fabulous
1: oh thank you thank you i had a good time. that's not true <laughs> i worked very hard and i was like of it, i had a good time it's just you know it's a lot of work a lot of changes doing an original broadway show is not for the weak of heart. Mm, and right. it, it's really not. And that is another one of the positive things. It's so exciting to particularly Casey's one of those people. It's like you get there at seven. It's like, here you go. Here's a new scene four. Can you have it in by tonight? I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> oh like okay, okay. You know, I, in Chicago, people are like, oh, are you having fun in Chicago? Are you seeing this? It's like, no, I'm in my <laughs> hotel room. I, learning lines and going to yeah. costume fittings and trying on different wigs.
0: No bean or aquarium for you? No, or... I
1: did see the bean, but then I was like, right. oh, go. I, I got another. I got it. Okay, that's enough time. Let's go. I got to
0: go. <laughs> <laughs> and was Adam out there with you?
1: No, he was doing something. He was working. He works all the time. How did you two meet? Met During a show after Drowsy Chaperone that was supposed to come into Broadway called Dancing in the Dark, which is based on the bandwagon. Fred Astaire, Nanette Febre, didn't happen.
0: But she got him in the process.
1: Exactly. And you um, got
0: married this summer. Congrats.
1: July 15th, we got married. Very, very small surprise thing for a very small group of people.
0: Oh, that's so amazing. <laughs> I know. Congrats. I mean, you're, you're, you're still glowing, whether it's the post-Thanksgiving uh, meal or... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <I'll take it. laughs> well, Beth, thank you so much for your time today. We've got to wrap it up here. But before we say goodbye, we end on a dose of drama. Yeah. You know, it could be a little drama in your head, like the pop culture you've been consuming or something you just saw you want to rant about, rave about, share. And I'll start today. Great. Because I'm feeling dramatic about Black Friday because I feel stressed about it in a way that is different than the pre Black Friday stress when you know you had to line up to before the store opened. Now Black Friday seems to go on all month or cyber deals. I don't know when I'm gonna get the best deal now. And it's so annoying and stressful. I'm getting like these flash sale de- deals five days before. And I'm like, okay, well, will it be cheaper on Black Friday or am I supposed to do it now? Am I supposed to wait till Cyber Monday? So it's just, it's a, such a challenge now to buy gifts, to buy things for yourself and know, okay, when is this real Black Friday deal happening? Or am I just tricking myself? Are they tricking us? It's all such a scam. Anyway, drum.
1: Oh my God, well, now I get to worry about that. <laughs> Thanks.
0: You know, because I'm trying to do some holiday shopping, and I'm like, well, okay, is it today or is it on Cyber Monday? When is this deal really going to hit? And I don't know.
1: You know what I do? I'm sorry to interrupt you. One of my biggest joys is to physically go out and mm-hmm. shop. You love it. And then come and wrap them. That makes me so happy.
0: Do you mean on Black Friday or just like in general during the holidays?
1: You know, I don't do Black Friday. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, but I also of a generation that I want to go to the store and look at it, touch it, see if it's going to fit in a box and think about how... Hopefully it'll make that person happy. That I just love the holidays. I'm crazy. And I don't do any I don't cyber. Sh- I do for me a little bit, like it is bottom. And they said it was Black Friday and I got like these sneakers for really cheap. Oh, nice. If the price goes down in two days. I am calling you.
0: Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> what kind of sneakers? Are they for uh, running or walking? They're for walking. Just you oh. know, I think they uh, were on sale because they're a really specific color that no one wanted. Oh, I that's
0: like, always oh, fine
1: i uh-huh. don't care they look comfortable
0: mm-hmm. that's how have you ever heard of hokas those shoes yeah yes, they, they'll no do that mm-hmm. I heard
1: they're fantastic but they are expensive
0: they so are expensive. expensive but i'll tell you they last years
1: okay are yours like bright orange and yellow <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's what you're, that's what made me think of it because you're talking about the colors that nobody yeah, wanted no, these, yeah
1: this is like bright aqua Blue or something. Oh, that's
0: pretty though. That's oh, nice. cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that.
1: I'm gonna look into H O K A, right?
0: H O K A. Yeah, and you know, there's a
1: hack the you can. For, for them. Yeah, what?
0: I know, right? I got. I had a pair of Hoka's that I loved, but after like a year and a half, it was time for them to go. You know, oh, and they lasts out. Nice. That's pretty good if you wear them often. But I loved the shoe. They discontinued it at Hoka, so I went on eBay and found a pair of them for like 80 bucks. Regular, like 180, and they were like gently worn. They looked. Totally brand new. I just slipped my my you know my orthotics in, which sure, I need, sure, sure,
1: sure,
0: and sure. they they look like brand new shoes for half the price on eBay. So anyway, you would
1: never have thought to no. eBay. I'm writing that down right now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, and the thing is, I think people are grossed out that it might be somebody else's shoe, but I'm putting my own orthotics in, so it's kind of like who cares? Yeah, who
1: cares? You
0: know? And you can put your shoes in the washing machine too, they, You can like, do yeah, that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, my goes yeah. to drama. Let's Go see.
0: My drama is The Crown just released the first half of its final season. And I would watch this show every single day if it came out like a soap opera. I cannot get enough of it. I am an Anglophile through and through. I loved Elizabeth Debicki's performance as Princess Diana. I just, I love it. And I think that everyone should watch it. And then watch the second half, which is four more episodes coming out in December. It's so good. It is good. And my favorite of the three that played the queen was probably... Claire Foy is the early. Oh, she was great. Mm -hmm. She was great. Yeah.
1: Started it this season. So eBay, the (laughs) Black Friday liars.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any drama for us today? Anything that's uh, on your mind?
1: I do. I just am hoping that people before December 30th will go see this fantastic show that's closing called Some Like It Hot that my husband, Adam Heller, is in. Mm -hmm. And I think it's closing way too soon. And I would love to give them a huge thank you for bringing this to Broadway send-off.
0: Yes, 100%. Oh, we love that show. I feel like it should have lasted longer. I don't know if it's the the season it opened in or the time in, in its...
1: Never figure that out. But it was magical and had a great message and great storytelling and acting. And Casey's work was great, Mark and... Oh, it was just, just terrific. And it's kind of, I'm sad it's, it's leaving. So if you're in New York City, go see it at the Schubert Theater. hmm Also, I'm thinking how early is too early to put up my Christmas tree?
0: Well, it's past Thanksgiving, so I think you can do it now.
1: I have a green light, correct? Mm-hmm. yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Oh my
0: gosh. Yeah. I know people who put it up on November 1st.
1: That's my birthday. Um, <gasps> Happy belated. Thank you, but don't you find this year, like I was driving around last, uh, like two, three weeks ago, and people, I don't know, it's because of the way the world is right now, or because we're, you know, coming out of COVID and mm-hmm. been isolated, it's every, it's like Christmas, the holidays are already thrown up all over the place. It's very
0: exciting. totally. I I love it. I know. Oh, so cozy. Christmas Eve is like my favorite day of the year. I don't care how old I get. It's just always that excitement the movies the music the it. everything
1: i just love it mm-hmm. we need a little christmas right this very minute
0: wait wait wait! wait. i'm getting an idea i'm getting an idea I'm right now
1: i hate I don't know the words
0: <laughs> i'm i see i see a, a mame revival all of a sudden
1: oh, there you go okay with you i played vera right before oh. i cast as drowsy chaperone and i kind of give credit for the way my drowsy chaperone came to life from how I was playing with Vera.
0: Oh, that's Ooh. cool. That's cool. I, is Vera drunk in the show at all? The chaperone's drowsy, not drunk. Correct, but.
1: correct. and that is one of the first things I always say. Uh, she's not drunk. She's drowsy, whatever that means <laughs> to you. She's drowsy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> whatever that means to you.
1: There's a little, little complicated life above where everyone else is normal.
0: <laughs> in the new year, you're going to be returning to 54 Below for a couple of shows, right?
1: Oh, I am. January 2nd and 8th. If you're bored, come on in. It's a great, it's just a lot of storytelling and songs and some new stuff is going in. I'd like to propose a toast. I'm just saying.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gagged. That's okay. going to be incredible.
1: Thank you. Thank you for pearl clutching.
0: Yeah. Oh, yes, did you did. see us both gagged? We, like- <gasps> like, we both went back. <gasps>
1: i was like yes i knew that was a good choice oh yes oh yes <laughs> excellent i'm not gonna do it right, right, right. this it's... is where
0: you're testing your material for us yeah yeah Yeah. well beth awesome. this meant the world to us that you celebrated um, four years with us asking. you are a dream on stage and off and everyone who knows you loves you. Thank you
1: connor and dylan may you have another four or eight or twelve oh well thank you, thank you so much I'm glad to have you
0: back on after after you've got a few more notches in your belt and more stories to tell we will and um, are you on social media at all
1: no but i stalk because i always like to see people's thanksgiving dinner Mm -hmm. and their kids and their dogs (laughs) yeah it's i do have a a website that these fabulous people run for me that i'm so grateful because when i don't know what i'm doing next i go to my website i go (laughs) all right (laughs) right i'm going to miami i'm going to miami january 20 20. go to my website i think it's (laughs) bethleville.net dot net thank you it's
0: updated it's like it's actually like very well kept
1: i don't know what i do without her Mm
0: oh thank you so much beth for spending this time with us it means so much and we hope you have a wonderful holiday season ahead
1: and to you I put the tree up tonight
0: there you go (laughs) and connor everyone can follow us of course at the drama podcast you at connor mcdowell me at dylan mcdowell and i will see you next time Drama! drama